there. Ice tastes good. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are finishing, we are finishing JoJo's Bizarre <laughs> Adventure Part 5, Golden Wind. I'm going to say it right now. Last two episodes don't go the way you think they're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? No. What? No. No. <laughs> no. In any other JoJo part, you'd think, wow, there's two more episodes. This is going to be a really crazy final fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stop what you're getting. No, indeed. Instead, in, in episode 38, Gold Experience Requiem, we follow three separate timelines, I guess. Yep. yep. And the one of which that is following the action of the previous episode, like what happens after uh, uh, to, to Giorno and Mista and Trish, is what, like three minutes of the episode? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not even where we start, because we start in the flashback timeline. Mm-hmm. All all Bruno's special boys, before they even meet Giorno, are, are uh, at that one table in that one restaurant with no other tables within 20 feet of them. <laughs> they rented out the whole place just for themselves. And Mista is asking his friends, which is to say Abakio, Narancia, and Fugo, if cannibalism would be yum-yum tasty times. <laughs> Just think about it, and then Narancha coughs up his food. Narancha says, "That's it. Go shit at the go sit at the dipshit table." Yeah, which must there be is a, com- a second table in this dining room. It's just in the opposite corner I, of the room. I guess so. Yeah, everyone's you know having their own outburst at at Mista. We see a little bird looking at them through through the window, and it flies off into the sky as the camera uh, kind of zoops up into the clouds. Uh, it comes out of the clouds, and now we're we're back in present times, where uh, Diablo is just getting his shit wrecked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his face is being rearranged uh, by Gold Experience Requiem. <laughs> yeah, in fact, both of King Crimson's faces have been cracked wide open. Yeah, with chunks dangling off. <laughs> yeah, the epitaph is dangling off. One of his eyeballs dangling off. And and how does this influence Gold Experience Requiem's strategy? Well, that's easy. It starts. Uh, it switches to body blows instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diablo cannot get any hits in, and we we end right before the OP on just a freeze frame of him getting punched so hard he's doing backflips through the air. <laughs> Straight into the sun. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it is time for the OP again. Uh, uh, the the sound effects have been stripped away, mm-hmm. uh, but new material has been added again. So, yeah. so once again, as we have for a little while now, uh, uh, that, that bit at the end where King Crimson just does its thing uh, uh, invisibly, well, it's visible again. We follow through the obliterated time from from his perspective. But now, Gold Experience Requiem is there in the OP mm-hmm. <laughs> and undoes uh, uh, King Crimson's interference. And the the final moments have been totally redrawn to be the birth of of our new Requiem friend. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, when uh, like you know, you see all of Diablo's stuff rewinding back to the start. And we get this new shot of, of Golden Experience Requiem first appearing. Uh, the pose that Giorno does is like a Dio pose. It's mm-hmm. it's the it's the pose Dio takes in the 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 Polaroid, the photograph of him all the way from Stardust Crusaders, which I think is neat. But man, I wish more of that Dio stuff came through in the story. <laughs> So so back in the action, Diavolo is punched into the Tiber River. He sinks deep below his surface. But Trish and Mista will not believe that, that things are over until they see his goddamn corpse. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they are right to think so, because somewhere downriver, a hand bursts out uh, and clings to a ledge uh, uh, as Diavolo pulls himself up, trying to... Th- figure out what the fuck just happened to him yeah what was that how what do i do now yeah so he starts pulling himself up still like he can't get up and all uh, and and walk he's just crawling into like this little like aqueduct or whatever that he's pulled himself Mm -hmm, up mm -hmm. into the ancient sewers of rome yeah 
it's it's very dark in there, but he, he keeps going deeper in. And suddenly, there's a light and a silhouette, and a man in the sewers just runs at him lightning speed and stabs him in the gut with a knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this is in the sewers. He's found a, a like small uh, homeless encampment, and yeah. the the welcoming party is is this uh, uh, small man who believes that Diablo is there to steal his coat, and he's going to defend his coat by stabbing anyone who enters the sewers that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I think what we're supposed to take away from this is that Diablo is undone by like his own actions. Right, that that mm-hmm. like all of his corruption and crime has caused these social problems, or or exacerbated them to the point that there is this like feral population of unhoused people who will stab you as soon as they look at you, and and take note of the very like prominent framed insert shot of a uh, needle. Yeah, I bet these people had had drugs sold to them as kids. No, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Hoist on his own petard. His chickens have come home to roost. Yeah. Because the knife is more powerful than the gun. How many times has he been shot? Nothing. No <laughs> yeah. problem. One stab wound and the man is out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he st- gets stabbed in a pretty bad place to get stabbed. Like you, they, What's a good place to get stabbed? <laughs> uh, Some place with nothing very important in it. I don't know. <laughs> Your toe. Like, that would okay, suck, but, right. you know. Man, they animated some arterial spray style shit like it's <laughs> it's going to the rhythm of his heartbeat it's gross mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah diablo is just sitting on the ground bleeding out as this guy steps ever closer to 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 finish him off with another another stab straight uh, to the face coming yeah. down like pov shot right at you and you know this whole time he he's almost doing like a dio thing here of just like repeating his name like i am diavolo like shit like this doesn't happen to a person like me as he's about to get stabbed in the face and as he screams we get a bunch of after images of his face all screaming like stretching out to both sides of him and suddenly Mm -hmm. he wakes up uh in a completely different place he's uh about to get an autopsy done on him (laughs) yeah yeah he wakes up in this room that immediately reads as hospital room mm-hmm. and then you see more shots of like uh, the walls around and i wonder if he it's a kitchen because it looks like there's mm-hmm. <laughs> like the those uh uh those like deep fry spiders the, the little like wire basket on a yeah, stick yeah. hanging on a wall i don't know what's going on there but no th- this is an autopsy studio where he finds himself a woman comes in you know with a little tape recorder starting to take notes of, of the autopsy what what time is starting all this and for the record th- this this doctor this medical examiner what whatever her title is mm-hmm. is the second named woman in all <laughs> yes. of colton win yeah I'm try- i was trying to think of like that old woman that was asking for help from bruno near the start had a name but i don't think she I did i think she had a name I'm- i mean trisha's mom has a name so okay sure. third i okay, guess sure it's all about bros, bro. <laughs> yeah, she she gets ready for this autopsy, and Diavolo is conscious for all this. It's that one Stephen King story, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and you know he's talking and and watching her do this, and she can't hear him or anything, uh, and so he just has to lie there, unable to move, but conscious as he gets cut open and and has to experience the, the pain and hell of an autopsy while being conscious for it. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Yeah. It's real messed up. Uh, uh, he's feeling every scalpel cut. It's just a gross, nasty idea. And uh, while this lady is just going about her job, unaware that, that she is an aspect of hell on earth. Yes. Uh, we find out that, yeah, Diavolo has been declared dead. Uh, she determines the cause of death to be the stab wound in his liver, mm-hmm. which means Giorno didn't kill him. Giorno's blameless. His hands are clean. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he killed a lot of other people on the way here, oh, yeah. and it's not a big deal. But, but, <laughs> so, so this lady takes out the giant bone saw and goes to work on him, and that is what zaps Diavolo's consciousness to Pink City. Yes, the uh, city where the the color palette is always swapped. 
yeah, he just wakes up on, you know, on a sidewalk in this busy city, fine, like physically, <laughs> but he's absolutely shook, terrified. He thinks, okay, that must have all been a dream. You know, it felt so real, though. And the, this other small man uh, approaches him, just go asking, like, hey, are you okay? Are you sick? You know, do you, do you need help or something? And Diablo turns around to look at him and is immediately spooked by the a very small barking dog that this man is walking. Just this tiny little dog. Yeah. So he, he uh, takes some steps backward, trips over uh, the curb, and falls backward into traffic as he shouts to himself, none of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. We, we cut back to Trish going like, we got to find Diablo. He, he clearly didn't die. We got to really make sure that he's mega dead. And Jorno's just like, no. Nah. It's fine. It's all right. I think I just sent him to hell, so. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but I believe it's all going to work out. I th- I'm pretty sure we're done here. Yeah. Uh, so so he starts describing what he believes that Goldwyn, what Goldenwind is what golden wind experience did while he was unaware because of course Jorno does not know what happened in mm-hmm. obliterated time that still works on him just not on a stand yeah so so the idea here is that diavolo will never know that he's dead uh quote his end is without end mm-hmm. he will just keep dying over <laughs> and over and over again yeah. in eternity yeah yeah it's a pretty metal way to kill a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) without actually killing a bad guy yeah yeah because for some reason now now of all times the murder jojo has to be above murder is this (laughs) is this part of his development he's he's like gotten past that period in his life maybe i mean there there are certainly times in the show where i mean it happens with bruno and and sometimes too where they're framed as like almost heavenly figures so (laughs) i don't know yeah, we can talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyways, Diablo is now in the purple zone. Yes. Uh, rolling. But not that purple zone. Uh, unrelated purple zone. Yeah, yeah. You know, rolling hills, trees, very beautiful place he's in. And there's just a little girl there slowly he... approaching him. And he's utterly terrified. I love I love this. I love that he he's gotten what the deal is by this point. So as soon as he sees anybody, including, yeah, like a little five-year-old girl with a teddy bear, he's like, what the fuck is this? What are you going to do to me? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And we don't even know. We do not find out what happens to him. Yep. It's all just left to the imagination. That's great. So so back in the present, Mista wants to go back to the Coliseum, like, oh, we're, we're not fighting anymore. We have to rescue Bruno and his horribly broken body. We gotta yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, in, in this moment, in this moment while taking my notes, I was reminded of the fact that we haven't talked about Giorno's hair change, and we should. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this happens when uh, uh, Requiem is born, right? Yes. Yes. And it's, yeah, his, his kind of like braided mullet thing in the back has just become unbraided he mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. just got flowing long hair in the back now and the like quaffed and uh uh styled top bits the transition between the the cannoli and the mullet <laughs> uh, uh ha- has also come out and is all like windswept and, and yeah. flowing as well <laughs> again wondering if that's meant to make him look a little more dio like but that kind of goes mm-hmm, against mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know could be what his character is becoming now but either way yeah, every everyone's like, okay, we got to go back to the Coliseum, got to help out Bruno. They run off, and Giorno just stays there where he's standing for a little bit. Yeah, Giorno has become very outwardly cold ever yeah. since Requiem awoke. Yeah. Ever since he like uh, uh, is bearing the burden of the power to shape all of history and time and humanity. <laughs> it, it's it's hit him very suddenly, and his whole demeanor has changed. I almost wonder if it's meant to be like him filling in Bruno's shoes in that manner because mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. very like kind of cold and distant in that way. That's just what the leader is yeah, in this yeah. group. Okay, all right, I, I, I can see that too. Yeah, as Giorno just kind of stands there, he he looks up into the sky and and you know kind of sees all of his dead friends, party members up in this up in the clouds, hearing Bruno's voice, just telling him to chin up. It'll yeah, be cool. Don't worry, man. 
you we, you did it. You did. Everybody did a great job. It's it's all gonna be fine. We have emancipated the slumbering slave that is fate. Yes. This this is a metaphor that we're gonna hear a lot about in the future. But yes, the the idea that 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 fate is itself a slave that we are all enslaved to, mm-hmm. but but it's asleep. So we don't really see the chains, but oh, waking it up is is changing the nature of fate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna begin some of that, uh, and now we get to the the mid up episode title card, which is Golden Experience Requiem, and uh, its stat card is just full. Mm-hmm. It's just maximum for everything. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the the OP stand. So back in the restaurant again, uh, uh, following our cold open, finally, mm-hmm. Mista is continuing his cannibalism talk with the theory <laughs> that the reason we don't eat carnivores is because they taste like garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his evidence for this is that uh, uh, the flavor of uh, a particular fish known for exclusively eating algae is remarkable and and uh, uh, better than other fishes with more varied diets. Mm-hmm. There there is something to this, right? Like catfish yeah. connoisseurs will will be able to tell the difference between a wild catfish and a farm raised catfish just on its diet, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so therefore he goes on to say that if this fish demonstrates this idea I have, and this idea I have means that we meat eating animals uh, must taste like ass. <laughs> Is this why he's so concerned about vegans later? Mm, maybe. Is he trying to find someone to eat? <laughs> he's he's gonna hang out yeah, at the it's... health food store and and stalk victims. This doesn't apply to Misa because he's one of the only few that lives. But I was about to say, maybe it was good that Misa died so he didn't become like a vegan serial killer. But and now he's he still may. around. He may. He could. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, shocking everyone, Abakio is following Misa's logic and is like, hmm, yeah, you might have something to do that. While everyone else is like, no, the reason we don't eat cats is because that's a monstrous thing to do. They're our <laughs> friends. Yeah. Like the the continue the the conversation just keeps going and eventually Fugo is like yelling at Naranja like don't encourage him just stop it <laughs> and that is when Bruno shows up because there's a job to do turns out Leaky Eye Luca that guy no one likes has been a uh, severely hospitalized and and it's their job to figure out why yeah. No one really cares that Leaky Eye Luca has been hospitalized. Like Naracha just said. Because he sells drugs to kids. Yeah. Naracha's (laughs) just like, I fucking hate that dude. And Bruno's just saying, like, okay, well, he Leaky Eye Luca probably just like overdosed on his own shit and hit his head or something. But still, we gotta check it out. It's our orders. Fugo volunteers to take this one on his, on his own because future capos like Bruno shouldn't be doing this sort of grunt work. And he's like, nah, 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 I got this. I got this. Yeah. Someone someone give me the AU where Fugo meets Giorno on the funicular. Oh my god. I I have to imagine that ends with Fugo dying. And and then <laughs> Giorno's like first obstacle is going through the rest of the crew one by one and he has yeah. to He has to do the whole show solo. <laughs> oh man. So many so many more snakes in that version. Does part of Giorno's body get melted off before he knows he can fix that? I don't know. Oh, God, he figures that out way earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Bucciarati was holding him back. Oh, man. But yeah, in, in a, like a different room in the restaurant, this guy is waiting there. This tiny little man in a yeah. fancy suit. Fugo's like, hey, I ran, I ran a background check on this guy. He He's an honest and ordinary dude. But he is seeking an audience with the, the city's most beloved mafioso. Yeah, his, his daughter died six months ago. And Bruno tries to cut him off. He's like, hey, hey, if you are an honest, upstanding taxpayer, then you need to get the fuck out of here. Because once you do business with me, you're a filthy crime dog forever. Yes. Down in the gutter with the rest of us. Come on. You don't want that. You're a good boy. Get get out of here. Go. Yeah. You're, you're going to be in so much debt. Just go to the cops. And this dude is like, okay, I work for my family. I believe in the law. I raised my daughter, you know, as good as I could, try to, you know, raise her right. But my only daughter, she was turning 17 last September. And, uh, hey, can everyone else 
like leave and can I tell his story only to you, Bruno? And he says, no, no. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so he found out through his wife that like his daughter had a boyfriend and she, he, her boyfriend is like the, a novice sculptor and he's much older than her. And he's rude. He never he's introduced rude. himself to yeah. her father. That's that's just simply not done. And so one day, his daughter jumped off an eight-story building holding a big stone orb. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, and fe- yeah, fell to her death. And you know, he he falls to his knees, weeping while telling this story. So obviously, in times like these, you seek out the aid of the mafia, especially the magic mafia. Yeah. And he opens up this giant briefcase stuffed with money in order to, like, wreak vengeance on this sculptor who's clearly at fault. Mm -hmm. Like, Bruno's just like, wait, you're saying this was murder? Jumping off a building holding a big orb? (laughs) Bruno doesn't believe it because he knows about every murder that happens in this city. (laughs) Yeah. And and this florist guy is like, ah, well, that's because the cops covered it up and and made it all hush-hush as a suicide. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, they only care about things that are certain to put someone in jail for life. If that's not the situation, the police (laughs) around here don't give any mind. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's just, the the man is just pleading to, to... have these people t- take revenge on this sculptor and bruno says like hey t- bad shit happens in life sorry to say you're just kind of wasting your time here but on the other hand you're lucky that i'm such a big softy <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're lucky that i'm i'm the specific guy you came to because yeah I, I will do this because when it comes to family, and again, this is just uh, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift yeah, all over yeah. again. And so Bruno says to Miso, like, hey, can you can you take this one? I want you on this. You know, you being the assassin guy and all. Misa's like, yep, I got it. And he sits up and he notices that in his seat where he just was is a, a stone orb. And he and he asks the question on everyone's mind: Did I lay this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a a, a character like etched into it, it's like an X with like a three sides of a square surrounding it. This stone orb is like bigger than a beach ball. It's like the size of a yeah. large pumpkin. Yeah, like not not a record setting. Oh wow, look at this amazing pumpkin! But like. You, you look at it and think, huh, that's an unusually large pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And so Misa goes to touch the, the stone orb. And as he does, like, sparks fly out from it. And he gets little blisters, like, growing, forming on his finger that are the Japanese characters that form the phrase, kill me! <laughs> <laughs> and Abakio acts like the stone has always been in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Misa's just like, fucking what? Okay. Uh, and so he goes to grab the orb and bring along with him. And then we kind of just cut to a little bit later when Bruno is giving Misa uh, and Fugo the info for the hit, the, the photo mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. guy, the address, all that. And instructions to put the dude in a wheelchair for the rest of the decade after he confesses. Because, quote, we're not assassins. (laughs) Well. Those are those other guys. Yeah. Just incapacitate him for several years and just get him confessing on tape. So while they're in the parking lot of the restaurant, Mista sees the orb. Another Ah. orb? The same orb? I don't know. And so he goes to check out that orb. It's very mysterious. And Fugo, who's ready to get a move on, uh, uh, shouts out, what's the damn holdup? Need a shit? <laughs> the, the, the orb he's seeing is like directly behind the wheel of a car and is kind of cracked apart a little bit, like it got ran over or something. Uh, and when he gets closer to this orb, he sees that there's like construction going on nearby the car where there are, I guess, just rocks? There, there's a lot of masonry being yeah, done. They're 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 definitely laying like bricks to to build up a wall here. But there's also just big round rocks here on a cart. But yeah, Mista need a shit, and so he just he just kicks that orb he saw, and he just gets in the car. 
So now they're they're driving down the road uh, uh, on the way to these these two missions, and Mista is really wishing that this story had more detail, as as the the flower shop owner told it. What what do you mean weird? There's a lot of ways a rock can be weird. I want <laughs> it's not very helpful. Yeah. So uh, as he's complaining about this, he sees a, the stone waiting at a bus stop uh, out the window. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then another, and then another, and he's freaking out about it. Yeah. And by the way, I believe the 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 X with the square around it, like the the unclosed square surrounding it. I think that's the character for death. Oh, I thought the Rock voted. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the same character, I believe that that appears in Cloud's cross slash limit break. It's the ah. thing he draws while he's he's cutting stuff up with his his sword. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he keeps seeing this this stone and freaking out. He's getting accused of being like drunk. Like, how much wine did you drink? And he's just he's getting pissed off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not something he can really explain to anybody else without sounding crazy. So he just kind of keeps it to himself. And, and eventually they get to uh, the sculptor's uh, apartment building and drop Mista off. And then Bruno's like, hey, Fugo, you, you go on ahead and, and get like the preliminary details at the hospital. I got to keep an eye on this guy. He's he's concerning me a little bit. I, I hear there's been a lot of stand users ga- gathering in this town. So just to be safe, I'm going <laughs> to go check stuff out. Do you think these rumors include... Uh, echoes. Do you do you think Bruno uh, has heard of Koichi Hirase? <laughs> I wonder. How would Bruno and Koichi interact? <laughs> the closest analog to Bruno we have is Jotaro, so I, I think so. they would eventually get along pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Actually, Koichi's just good at over time gaining people's respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just whether he'd have the time or not. That that's the big question. Yeah, because I don't think he'd make a great first impression. I, no. I don't think so. It also just comes down to, like, the threats people in Part 5 face are far more lethal all the time. He is the only person to be punched straight through and survive. That's true. They have that in common, actually. Yeah, yeah. Man, if you had Josuke on this team, is it like a a second healer? You'd be set. (laughs) Josuke would freak out so much about how Jorno fixes people. Yeah. He'd just be like poking the replacement finger or whatever and think that's that was a cigarette butt two minutes ago. He just wouldn't stop poking at it. He'd have a real hard time with Polnareff being a turtle. Yeah, yeah. He could never take a turtle turn. Like when he <laughs> finally has to grab Coco Jumbo and run away, it, it would be a major, major moment in his life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just have a stand carry it instead. Maybe that's a loophole. Mmm. So uh, Mista is waiting for the elevator in, in this like tall uh, apartment building. It's like seven stories, eight stories, the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the elevator dings and the door opens up, Mista sees that stone inside. Ah, the stone. <laughs> so now he just shoots it. He shoots it a bunch of times. Uh, it, it seems to, to like crumble into dust. And there's a little guy peeking around the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and our cliffhanger image is that that stone did not totally fall apart. No, instead, the bullets have left it sort of rough sculpted into the shape of a dead, drooling Bucciarati. Yes. Yeah. And that leads us into the final episode. Episodio 39, The Sleeping Slave. So yeah, Mist is a little confused by Rock Bruno. <laughs> yeah. We start immediately with the OP. Just get that out of the way so we can get right into mm-hmm. this but that confusion does not stop him from shooting the sculptor in the hand yeah whose name is scalipi by the way let's talk about scalipi here and his look uh he is wearing a lot of dog tags yeah also just on his wrists hanging from his chest kind of like a deep v-neck shirt with holes cut out of the shoulders purple hair with mm-hmm. uh some some random things the dude just got his palms pierced and he wears a crown of thorns. Like I'm not <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not crazy. There's a lot of Catholic imagery as we go deeper into Golden Wind. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's just got a crown of, of thorns as a fashion accessory. Uh <laughs> yeah, purple hair, purple eyebrows, green eyes. Uh he's got like gray it's not eyeshadow. 
it's like it's not even directly up like on the lid of his eye it's just like the space below his eyebrows has been shaded gray mm-hmm. and this guy you know has been shot through the hand and he is not fighting back or anything his name is a reference to a, a meat dish in oh, Italian right, yeah. cuisine. Scalopini, right? Yeah. Yeah. Scalopi's English voice uh, is the gorilla doctor in Odd Taxi. He is uh, Koru mm. in the Rebuild of Evangelion uh, uh, series, uh, those films. Okay. And he voices a major character in Final Fantasy VII Intergrade we have not gotten to yet oh, in God our Let's damn it. Play. I know who it is now. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> While uh, his Japanese voice uh, is Tuxedo Mask in Sailor Moon Crystal. Ooh. Uh, he's the voice of of Fox McCloud since 2005. Oh, man. And he dubbed the role of Clark Kent in Smallville when hmm. Smallville went to Japan. Okay, okay. I wonder how many seasons they got. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how popular CW-style stuff would be in Japan, really. Is there a Japanese Riverdale? I... Let's find out. Riverdale in the International Dubbing Wiki. Hmm. Got Brazilian Portuguese, Castilian Spanish, French, Indonesian, Italian, Japanese. Here we go. Hey. Uh, there is one, but none of these names, uh, after <laughs> r- a random sampling of like seven of the cast. Yeah. As as listed on the very helpful international dubbing uh, uh, wiki are people who would be recognizable names for, for other roles. But yeah. one does exist. Okay. And there is a helpful uh, uh, bit of information that the songs from uh, Carrie the Musical uh, uh, were the only ones dubbed in the series so far. Mm. The, the songs for the other musical episodes were left in English with Japanese subtitles translating the lyrics. Huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Scalipi is being held up against the wall by Misa, gun to his head, and Misa just like, you know, sends the elevator all the way up to the top so they're locked into this elevator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gonna go check out the scene of the crime back at his apartment. Yep. Uh, and and Misa's interrogating him on the way, trying yeah. to figure yeah. out like what gang do you are are you part of? Because like that's the only way you're gonna have a stand, right? Mm-hmm. He puts the dude in an arm lock. He's he's in serious time. Time for serious answers. And uh, this sculptor, uh, throughout the whole thing, has this this very calm, measured reaction. He does not care how uh, horribly he's being threatened or or how many times he gets shot or, or anything. Yeah. Uh, and we find out that he was born a stand user and does not know shit about them. This is the first time he's heard the word stand in his life. <laughs> yeah. He's so he's also not a mafioso, but he really, really wants to meet Bruno. Although this is also the first time he's heard his name. He just wants to meet the guy in the rock right now. Like, oh, Bucciarati? I want to meet whoever that Bucciarati is. Yeah, yeah. And so Misa gets pissed off and uh, shoots a hole through his other hand. Uh uh Uh-huh, Increasing the symbolism even more here. (laughs) Misa just thinks this dude is clearly up to something. Yeah. Uh, What do you mean you want to meet Bruno Bucciarati? That seems like something a murderer who I should who I should kill would say. Yeah. And as he he grabs Scalipi again, uh, the the stone that was in the elevator is suddenly just gone. And he starts, you know, putting the gun up to Scalipi's head again, going like, where the fuck did that rock go? And his answer is just like it left. This rock does it as it pleases, and it pleases to also find Bruno, so that's where it went. And Mies is like, haha, I know you're lying. Bruno's nowhere near here. He's at a hospital doing a different job. Yeah. And so and so our sculptor friend says, quote, allow me to share some art history. Yes. <laughs> the most JoJo's bizarre adventure line <laughs> ever uttered. Yeah. Oh man. Michelangelo. So- yeah, Michelangelo, hell yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's saying that, like, okay, that stone that I had, I did not sculpt it to be Bruno. It had already chosen that form, and I just helped it become that. And, like, Michelangelo said he did not sculpt after thinking of the final shape. Uh, you know, Destiny was already dwelling inside the stone. 
Yeah, yeah. The the stone knows what it, it will be. It is just the artist's job to to follow that guide and and reveal what was there all along. And and this stand stand you call it? Oh, that's a fun word. Uh, this stand works the same way. Fate shapes the stone. Bucciarati will die from a gaping chest wound, as shown in this stone. Yeah, yeah. Unbeknownst to anyone, he'll still kick around for a while. <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, don't know when this will happen to him, but just sometime in the near future, Bucciarati will die like that. Yeah, like, I don't know, what, four days, five days from now? Yeah. Uh, so so this stand is named Rolling Stones, or just Prophecy Stones. <laughs> prophecy Stones. Not nearly as good. I don't know. I think Prophecy Stones might be better, because Rolling Stones just sound so flatly literal. I, mm. I don't... Yeah, okay. It's not evocative. It's just like, oh, what's the connection between the Rolling Stones and, and this thing? It's it's a round rock. That's That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Although there is the Rolling Stone sticky fingers like connection, mm. that's something. But I don't know. I, I'm just not into either name, frankly. Yeah. So Misa's just like, "Hey, what the fuck is that stone doing?" Sleepy uh, just says, "If Bruno touches that stone that's sculpted to look like him, he will die without pain, like instantly." Instantly, yeah. That's that's how it goes. You you either die like it shows you soon, or you just touch it and go, ah. Yeah. And the sculptor would really like to know what Bruno's last words are. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really interested in hearing what whatever that's going to be. I'm kind of interested in checking what Bruno's last words are. And it's multiple choice. <laughs> yeah, wh- which... <laughs> what did he say before he died the first time? What did he say before he, his soul went into heaven? And what's the last thing he said to Giorno afterward? Mm-hmm. He has three last words. <laughs> All three of them are basically just like, it's cool, man. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think so. So now Mista wants to really turn up the heat on this interrogation. Uh, so he he uh, loads three chambers and and spins the revolver. Time for some Russian roulette, and declares, "quote Let's take a look at what fate buried in your mushy ass." <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that's good. That's good. It might make more sense if he was going to attack this guy with a chisel, but you use the tools at hand. Yeah. So as he's uh, asking his questions, it's just click, click, click. Uh, uh, one <laughs> On one of these, the gun is in uh, uh, the sculptor's mouth, yeah. and the dude is still cool as ice. Mm-hmm. You need to recruit this man. <laughs> and yeah, as all of this is happening, uh, he just, uh, just starts asking Misa, like, oh, that florist that you met, he had a bad leg, right? That guy doesn't know it, but that's the first symptom of some vague internal disease that he has. But he can be saved. His daughter that died, she was an organ donor. They the the organs that would save him are things that she donated. And like it turned out that, you know, the reason why she jumped off uh the the top of this building was because she knew that she would also become sick after uh her father does. And she mm-hmm. chose to touch the stone that was in the shape of her to die, you know, painlessly so that she could save her dad's life. This is more of a Thus Spoke Rohan story at yeah, this point. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. This, this is the point where uh, uh, we have to explain all of the mysterious stuff right at the <laughs> yeah. end. Because, like, yeah. there's a cool explanation, I promise. Let's just hit pause so you get it all. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yep. This is also the most unbelievable part because uh, be- because Scallopy says it's quote a merciful death that would leave all her organs intact. <laughs> yes, she does. I've never fallen eight stories uh, while clutching a like three hundred pound rock, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it would bust up some stuff. It is a magic rock, though. So I guess I guess. Mm. But but all of this is not assuaging Mista. He's not comforted. He's not even believing it. So he pulls the trigger one more time, which is now a 100% chance of being a bullet, except, except the gun misfires and all the sex pistols pop out to, like, blame number five. Mm-hmm. But Scallopy blames fate itself. It's not his time to die. He's not seen himself in the stone. 
So therefore, yeah. he he is not gonna die today. Yeah. And Misa's response to this is to pistol whip him really hard. <laughs> <laughs> In the apartment, uh, uh, Mista whips out his phone, he calls up Fugo, and finds out that Bruno is indeed in the building, and he's like, oh shit, oh shit, maybe the sculptor was onto something, and also, that big ball is after Bruno, oh fuck. Yeah, and so Mista runs out uh, to, to the window to look outside to see if he can find Bruno, and this is, you know, we cut to see Bruno, he's a couple floors down below, uh, and we cut to our mid-episode title card the final the one final one and it's it's rolling stone carved into the shape of bruno back on that phone conversation he's asking fugo for bruno's phone number to call him and warn him that there's a a, a rock seeking to euthanize him on the way mm-hmm. uh and fugo says hey you know bruno's number you called it this is his phone i'm talking to <laughs> yeah. you on so that's not gonna work that's that's not helpful to anybody uh, so he fires wildly in every direction so to, to send out a Sex Pistols sh- search party to find Bruno Bucciarati. Uh Yeah, and he runs back into the elevator, grabs Scalipi, just interrogating him, begging him, how the fuck do I stop your rock? How do I make your rock not do the thing it does? You can't stop the Rolling Stones from rocking. <laughs> Age sure hasn't, and boy, has it tried. Yeah, yeah. Scalipi just says, like, you can't. Like you, no you one's just... ever done it before. Like, okay, maybe if you destroy the rock, or maybe if you find a way to change it into another shape. I honestly don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Please stop beating me. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't like it. It takes him a while to respond because it seems like he maybe he just been beaten unconscious. <laughs> and the sex pistols are zooming around, and one of them has found Bruno, who is walking up the stairs, and at the very top of the stairs is the Bruno rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Mista is now, like, trying to go down the elevator faster by mashing the button Metal Gear style. And it's it's he's not getting there fast enough, so he just fires off several more sex pistols and just go hit the rock and push it away from Bruno. <laughs> which just brings attention, Bruno's attention, to the rock, which now that it's been shot and has fallen down the stairs, it's pulsating and oozing <laughs> goo. And then yeah, it starts yeah. hopping up the stairs. And this is enough to attract Bruno's attention. So he asks, hey, Bullets, why don't you fill me in on what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, th- this rock is approaching. It is coming at him. And so he has to defend himself. And he sh- shouts uh, uh, in the dub, of course, go Zipperman, to which number seven shouts, no, don't go Zipperman. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> I love yeah. the cowboy bullet. Yeah, he's great. Uh, before Sticky Fingers can can punch the rock, three more bullets shoot out and deflect it away from, from Bruno. Misa just runs up those stairs to meet Bruno. Tackles this rock. <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't fucking touch this rock. <laughs> and get, a, get really far away as fast as you can. And as he's doing that, the rock is just kind of sinking, just passing through the floor as, as Misa's hands, very well animated too, are just like scrambling, trying to just keep a hold of the damn rock. So what does Bruno do when he's told to get out of a building? He gets out of the building. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sticky Fingers opens up a zipper and then he yep. hangs on the pole, like rappelling down the side. But the rock pushes through the zipper before it closes behind him. Uh, uh, and Mista just jumps out and grabs this rock while it's an inch from falling down onto Bruno's nose. Yeah. And so now Mista is plummeting multiple floors <laughs> down to the ground, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. thinking just like, hey, if I smash this rock in this fall, maybe I'll save Bruno. But he doesn't just like wait for it to be smashed. He grabs, he takes the rock and thrusts it into the side of the building as he's falling, just dragging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just trying to, like, <laughs> shave off or, or have it, like, clobbered by by the, the brick wall all the way down. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the Mista thing. Uh, uh, again, Mista is, next to Bruno, the, the most ready to die at a moment's notice <laughs> for his goal. Yeah. 
But he doesn't. But he doesn't because this is still a Fast and the Furious story. He yes. lands on the roof of a car, which means he takes no damage. Yeah, it's it's Fu- <laughs> it's Fugo. Actually, he he just drives in to intercept Mista on the t- <laughs> and just annihilate the roof of the car. And that that rock is now just rubble, rubble and dust in a pile uh, uh, at the bottom of this building, like right by the the taxi gate, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so now it is time for everyone to debrief and try to figure out what happened here. And Meast is like, well, he did something. He's... He's certainly involved in the 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 girl's death, but I wouldn't really put him at fault. Yeah. Anyway, I still put him in the hospital for a few months all the same. I think we're square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, the whole time Misa's explaining this, you can see in the background uh, f- a bloodied Fugo just kind of flopping out of the crushed car. <laughs> <laughs> And remember, we see him tomorrow, the next day, and he's yeah. fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. They didn't even need Jorno. They already had some type of healing factor. Like the only reason it's the next day is because that's how long the the uh, lighter test takes. Like, yes. Yeah. We're seriously sixteen hours from the the plot for real beginning. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're kind of they're debriefing and walking away from the building since their car is just totaled and they're talking about like okay well we didn't get a recording of that but you know what we'll just have moody blues just rewind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and we'll you know we'll get the confession and all that because mista is trying to explain what happened and why and what it means and why he did what he did and he's kind of not really he, he hasn't really organized his thoughts but also it's a strange experience to try to explain in the first place you know yeah uh, uh things are more difficult when the stand isn't a guy what punches and also does another thing <laughs> yeah so they're just not getting it, not understanding what he's going for. And Bruno's like, mm, okay, I got to go check out this Luca situation. You stay you stay behind because I don't know what the fuck you're on about. <laughs> and now imagine this AU. Yeah. <laughs> Mista yeah. is the one to meet Giorno on the train. Oh, my God. I think Giorno would uh, convince Mista much the same as he did with Bruno. I think so. But when he comes back, he's just like, okay. There was a frog, and it's very important to know about this one tourist from Japan. I <laughs> never met him, but I think he's vital to and everyone. Would be like, what the fuck? What the fuck, Misa? What? What? Okay. Let's get the VCR stand out again. Gotta fucking watch the show ourselves. <laughs> and as everyone is walking away from the building, we can see that Squeepy has made it down to the first floor kind of watching them i love how angry fugo is about this uh conversation (laughs) yeah yeah he just turns to bucciarati and he's like bruno this motherfucker is too dumb to live i hate him he's my very best friend (laughs) yeah i miss fugo a little (laughs) but was Kalipi is watching them from the shadows thinking to himself like man all of all of you guys could have just taken the easy way out and and you know died a painless death and we see the the rubble of the stone a lot of it's getting swept away from the wind and it reveals that what's left of the stone is carved into the faces of every every member of the gang who is going to die in the near future Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not just bruno it's also abakio and arancha yeah uh, in as the dust blows away uh to reveal them and if you remember when was the boss's fate really sealed? When his face was shown in stone, huh? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. There you go. So so our, our sculptor poet keeps monologuing about how maybe these boys really do have some some fire in their belly, some kind of moxie that's that's gonna help them uh rise up against the, the fate that lies before. Maybe they got a shot. They might be, quote, the sleeping slaves who will awaken to discover some meaning in their suffering. Yeah. They, they cannot uh, avoid fate, but they'll find something precious within it. And as that is said, the, the like wisps of wind blowing the, the, some of the rubble of the stone away uh, covers the screen, and we transition to the present day again. We're back. It's the present, yeah. Bruno has picked up and is looking at the arrow that fell out of his stand that... 
I mean, hey, maybe Trish was just talking out of her ass because that does not look <laughs> bound forever to me. He's just holding the thing. Yeah. And Misa and Trish look around and they see a big stone orb right next to a lamppost. And Misa's like immediately starts sweating bullets like, oh, fuck, I'm the only guy here who knows what this thing is. <laughs> uh, and he then he like looks to his right and Trish is just gone. She has vanished. And mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's panicking. Jorno, where the fuck did Trish go? And Jorno's just like, she's right fucking there, dude. Uh, turns out Trish had fallen into Coco Jumbo and Mr. President, which was hiding behind the rock, who is still Polnareff. <laughs> he's alive. Yes, yes. Polnareff's ghost, Polnareff's soul, much like Bruno's, could not get swapped back because his body was dead. So instead of ascending to heaven, or let's be honest, it's Polnareff, (laughs) he's decided to just haunt the key that is a necessary component of the Mr. President stand. Yes. This, I guess, works if we assume that Coco Jumbo's soul did not go to Bruno, did not go to Polnareff's dead body, but got swapped somewhere else for safekeeping. Mm, mm-hmm. and has come back and brought the Mr. President stand with it because <laughs> stands follow the souls, stands are souls in some yeah. examples. Yeah. And so now that's where Polnareff just lives, inside yeah. the luxury suite, inside <laughs> the turtle. Yeah. He's the happy, friendly ghost. Yeah, he's just a tiny little ghost that lives inside this luxury suite. And he can pop out of the key, like halfway. Yeah, he, he yeah, because he's not in the turtle, he's in the key. Yeah, he could just pop yeah. out and just be like, hey, guys. Polnareff is, is, like, congratulating Giorno on, you know, being able to master the power of the arrow and all this stuff. And he's just like, hey, why don't you keep the key in the turtle with me? <laughs> and And after, like, every, like, beat of the narrative in this timeline... Mista is always trying to interject like, okay, and save Bruno. And we're all going to go save Bruno now, right? That Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Including at one point turning to Jorno like, hey, why aren't you coming? You want me to rub my gun on his wounds? <laughs> uh, I mean, some people might be into that. It's, it's, it's a little Cronenberg-y. Uh, uh, but in this case, Polnareff is about to... Uh, turn to Mista and explain why that's not really on the table. Because, yeah. you know, he knows where all of the ghosts are. He's like on the ghost listserv. <laughs> yeah. And and Jorno shoots him a look to like keep the secret. You're also not allowed to tell Mista there's no such thing as Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, when Jorno and, and Polner are talking here, there's a little side scene with Mista and Trish where... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Do you think they're trying to, like, okay, there's something that I, cut, I I generally appreciate with Trish is that they they don't really try to pursue pairing her up with any of the boys. Yeah, yeah. All of them but Fugo and Abakio, there, there are moments that could make you think if you wanted to that they're going somewhere with that. Sure, like yeah. she, she develops a closeness to Bruno. Is that romantic? Is that like sort of fatherly or or a caretakerly uh, debatable? Mm-hmm. She has moments with uh, uh, Giorno. She has uh, you, you could see Narancia having a big crush on her, but this oh, yeah. moment is when it's uh, Mista's turn. Yes, yes. <laughs> Because now it is time for them to, in a sense, explore one another's bodies. <laughs> yeah. So now like, that they've been inside one another. Y- yeah. So Mista <laughs> comes up behind Trish and, like, smells her because, like, they had that whole thing where they were arguing about how smelly Mista's body is. And Mista just thinks, damn, maybe I am really stinky. Shit. <laughs> maybe I need to wear cologne. My pits do smell like ass. Can't believe I'm just now learning about this. And and Trish like leans <laughs> I'm in. I'm a stinky boy. Big if true. <laughs> and like Trish leans in and gets a smell of him and goes like, you know, maybe it was just the the scariness of the moment that really set me off. I kind of miss that smell now. <laughs> and Mista is so flattered as they bond over body odor. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he's just like, really? And then she's just like, yeah, but your fingers are still really fucked up and weird, and I don't like them. And then there's a beat where they're just both silent, and then they just both kind of go like, ee, tee, hee, hee, like they're both <laughs> high school girls, and then they just frolic <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last thing we see of Trish. Yeah. Trish yeah. Una for the entire program. Yeah, just, just frolicking <laughs> off screen with fucking Mista. Uh, so so it's time for again our very stern new journal uh, reborn here mm-hmm. to make a very important decision and he decides that this arrow is not to be destroyed it is to be kept in in trust uh, uh entrusted to him and his judgment for whatever challenges may lie ahead fa- facing uh himself the familia all of humanity who knows what but mm-hmm. uh he's he's going to be prepared no matter what and he's going to keep it hidden inside mr president <laughs> yeah. i can say for certain you are not allowed to put an arrow in mr president that's something that is very <laughs> frowned upon i checked <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right here when everyone's walking back to the coliseum the camera pans up to the sky and we cut to credits there will be more. I after don't the know why they're going to the Colosseum. I I guess it's to collect uh, the the bodies of their dead. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Misa and Trish still don't know Bruno is dead, so they're walking there to go check on him. I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess retrieve the bodies. Narancia was was promised after all, but I just think it's weird that in most of the cases where they talk about going to the Colosseum, it's mm. coming from Polnareff. Like, Mm-mm. what did you, did you leave some shit there you want to pick up? You. <laughs> Are you halfway through a book you want us to put down in the key with you? Because <laughs> when Mista says it, it's go to Bruno. When Polarev says it, it's go to the Coliseum. And I and I wonder why he right. cares that much. I mean, okay. Polnareff's still going to need his his wallet, his ID and, and stuff. He had 300 bucks in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, for ghost stuff. He's going to go on mm-hmm. ghost Amazon. Maybe. I guess it depends if he's a poltergeist or if he can still control the turtle to type on keys. He's a Polnergeist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so now we get the final end credits of Golden Wind. Uh, and it's been changed. Yep. Because all along, all along this whole time, uh, at the base of this pillar upon which all these stands are arranged, uh, there, there's been a big round rock. And now we know that that has been Rolling Stone. But mm-hmm. now it's changed to Rolling Stone in the image of dead Bruno Bucciarati. The other change is on the opposite end, the very top. Gold Experience has been replaced with Gold Experience Requiem. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think it's significant that when you get to the top portion where it's all of uh, our, our heroes' stands, yeah. the only one shown fighting is Sticky Fingers. Yes. I think that is significant. That, that <laughs> yeah. is a real like character statement that, that even if you encase him in stone, he's, <laughs> Bruno does not stop. Yeah. Yeah. On top of pointing out that, hey, Rolling Stone was in the, the ending credit thing here the whole time. Rolling Stone was in the very first OP from the very start of the show. I don't recall uh, this. Yeah. Like really close to the start of the first OP. There's that part where you see like a statue, like the camera pans up it uh, and it's there very briefly and slightly in shadow. But at the base of the statue, Rolling Stone is there. Ah. And that's that's the whole uh, motif behind the chains you see in the first OP, too. It's like the chains of fate or whatever. But the credits are not the end. There is a post-credit scene. Is it to set up part six? No, no. We we don't do that anymore. The last time we did that <laughs> was Jotaro in prison. Yep. Uh, no, th- this is a postscript on the present uh, uh, instead. So back in Napoli... Giorno is head of the mafia. He he's uh, receiving tribute. Uh, some very serious looking dude in his fifties is kneeling down to to kiss his hand, while he is uh, flanked by his consigliere, uh, Mista and Polnareff. <laughs> yes, yes. He's just got a desk turtle, and I guess none of these other like mafiosi are are gonna ask about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Giorno and Mista are wearing palette-swapped outfits. Mista mm-hmm. is now all purple all the time. And Giorno is looking sick as hell in oh, a black looks... version of his old yeah. clothes. It looks so dope. He, he's almost like black and gold 
now, like some gold highlights along with his hair. It looks dope. There's like a floral pattern on one, like one half of it now, going from the leg all the way up to his to his neck. It looks great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Mista opens up the opens up a window and lets the the flowing wispy air in in and that's the end of part five the window that was closed in the the very first image yep. of uh, uh the the second opening that we've been with for for half the part now now it is open now there is fresh air there's mm-hmm. there's a new beginning ah ah yeah but there's a tribute to what was left behind at the end because uh, the last image of this little postscript scene is uh, some of the other things in addition to a turtle that Giorno keeps on his desk. <laughs> it is a yellow flower from Abakio's body, a white flower from Narancha's body, uh, the, the little like vines that Giorno grew in tribute when they, they had to mm-hmm. leave them behind. A zipper pull hanging on a little hook to, to represent yes. Bruno, of course, and a bottle of wine they, they all shared together moments before the shark attack. Yes, yes. <laughs> the last time they just sat down, had a meal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Emblems of a sort of the, the three who did not survive and, and also an emblem of the, the crew that uh, will no longer be because, you know, three of them died. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it that way, I can accept that there's no Fugo tribute because he probably is around somewhere. He, I, I would assume he is a capo under Giorno. Oh, yeah. Trish also is around doing something i would assume the same of her i don't know maybe she's off traveling the world who could say yeah i hope she just gets to live her life and doesn't have to do deal with any more stand bullshit like just Mm -hmm, let mm -hmm. her have fun if she want if she wants a job running like the gambling or something it's it's (laughs) open for her clearly but yeah yeah i don't know if it's what she wants Mm -hmm. so yeah we we end with giorno being the the leader and finally getting rid of drugs specifically the ones sold to kids yes yeah the ones sold to kids absolutely he became the gang star gang star indeed gang star. he did it he did it that's the end of part five crazy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the decision to make the ending a flashback uh uh stand fight yeah is interesting i I really like the idea of one thing it could have done to the mm. point that I'm disappointed it is this isn't what it really was, mm. which is like the third point on the uh, torture dance, kick the shit out of this guy, whatever this third thing would have been timeline where you just see the group as you know, the group that they are, the, these rowdy, violent boys having a great time being professional criminals. Yeah, yeah. And making that be a flashback when you know so many of them are about to die, the group will never be a group again mm-hmm. uh, to, to be really bittersweet. But instead, it's just Mista, and he has some fun stuff with Fugo and Bruno, but like... Yeah. Abakio is checked out of this entirely. Narancha just argues that maybe we shouldn't worry about what eating people is like. That's a gross <laughs> thing to think about. Yeah. And then he's out. Yeah, that's the main thing I wanted from that, too. Because like it is a, an idea I certainly like a lot. But yeah, it is almost kind of weird that it's Mista... Who gets the biggest focus here when he's like the one guy who lives it is another big story beat where Iraqi is visiting like one of his favorite concepts, which has come up multiple times in Jojo already, which is just fate itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess the uh, the cannibalism conversation itself is that thing that yeah. I wanted. But how much better would this have been to at serving that purpose if the other uh, stand users, if the other boys participated beyond beyond that, you know? Mm -hmm. Or got to do some sort of just sensational, oh, these scamps violence to to some bystander. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. To to really finish the triptych, you know? Yeah, totally. Polnareff's a ghost, man. Polnareff's a ghost, man. (laughs) He's one of them ghostmen. Like, when I first watched this, and like, oh, Polnareff died, and then, oh, he's a, a turtle now, but his body's dead, and, you know, all that. I was just like, yeah, I could see, you know, one of the last artist crusaders going out at, in like this or something. And then it's just like, no, Polnareff <laughs> keeps living! 
Polnareff is cursed. going out as a turtle. Yeah, Polnareff is cursed to just outlive everyone else. Well, I mean, he seemed to be uh, uh, under the belief that this was a temporary situation. Yeah. That he, he could not haunt this turtle forever. Mm-hmm. In the English dub, at least, he does phrase it as, I've decided to hold on to this goat, onto this turtle for a little while longer. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe the Speedwagon Foundation will start researching ghosts a little more seriously now. Finally, they've been so <laughs> lackadaisical with it. Yeah, but yeah, I I have more thoughts, but I figure I'd save them for for next week's episode for sure. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But man, we're kind of caught up. We're kind of caught up. This when we started this, when we had this idea, this was the end. Yeah, this was supposed to be the finish line. Mm-hmm. But then they went ahead and announced and partially released part six while we were in the process. So this is no longer the end. That's going to be the end. Yeah. And maybe that won't be true by the time it comes around either. Yeah, who knows? Like, But we'll see. We'll see. There, there was some, some people digging around, you know, because like people have always been able to kind of suss out when there might be more JoJo anime news because like the name of whatever upcoming part that needs to be adapted will like have a uh, a new trademark filed for it like several months in advance naturally yeah now that part six is like part of a netflix deal or whatever i think part seven already got trademarked and maybe part eight too i forget but i'm i'm just wondering if because like usually there's two years or so between parts because david production works on a bunch of other shows as well in between Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just making me wonder, like, oh, is are they getting extra money from Netflix? Like, here's an exclusive anime. Let, let's speed it up. Let's let's. Can you just focus on just getting cranking out JoJo for a while or something? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping for another pair of uh, the Spoke Rohan uh, uh, OVA. Yeah, episodes I would. I would love in between. More that. I would love more of that. There's there's plenty more to to animate still. So I also think it's fun that they come in twos. Let's, yeah, let's keep yeah. that going. Yeah. We're going to talk more about this uh, all as a whole next week with a very special guest, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the the big announcement of what we're going to do next, because we will not be rolling straight ahead into part six. Yep. Uh, uh, we, we are maintaining the, the idea that it is important for the program we make and how we make it that there are no gap weeks in the middle of a part, which means mm. part six is going to have to, to sit on the back burner for a while. What is coming in between? Uh, uh, listen to next week's episode and you will find out. Yeah. But yeah, until then, see you later. To be continued. 